all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. From MPB Think Radio, this is Southern Remedies, Relatively Speaking, the show all about you and your family. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, Chief of Development and Behavioral Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Today we'll be talking about adjustment disorders, what they are, and could you have one. Have you had trouble bouncing back after a job loss, divorce, or financial troubles? Has your child not acted like himself since your move? Do you feel anxious and fearful due to recent terror attacks? You or your loved one might have an adjustment disorder. Let's talk about what's going on in your life. Share your comments and experiences this morning by calling 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. This is Relatively Speaking from MPB Think Radio. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Lori London. Calling him a rock-solid partner, President Obama welcomes the Prime Minister of Singapore to the White House for an official state visit. In their first joint news conference, Obama weighed in on the controversy surrounding Republican presidential nominee Donald Trump, saying he is unprepared for the office. I think the Republican nominee is unfit uh, to serve as president. Uh, I said so last week, and... uh, he keeps on proving it. Meanwhile, Prime Minister Lee Shi Lung is urging Congress to ratify the controversial Trans-Pacific Partnership trade deal. The day today culminates with a state dinner, the 13th the Obamas have hosted. Three years after Edward Snowden shared classified details about the operations of the National Security Agency, Admiral Mike Rogers, the head of U.S. Cyber Command, who also serves as director of the NSA, says leaks from inside remain a concern. NPR's Mary Louise Kelly reports. U.S. officials have claimed the disclosures by Snowden, a former NSA contractor, caused great harm to national security, and they say preventing future leaks is a top priority. Admiral Rogers says the challenge is finding a balance between keeping data safe and making employees feel trusted. He told NPR, anytime humans are involved, there's potential for leaks. What I want to make sure is it doesn't happen on that scale. And it doesn't happen with any kind of duration. That, I think, is a very reasonable standard that we should be held accountable to. Edward Snowden remains in Russia, where he's lived since 2013. Mary Louise Kelly, NPR News, Washington. More than 10,000 athletes will compete in the Summer Olympics in Rio, but they're doing it amid multiple concerns, including Zika, water pollution and terrorism. NPR's Melissa Block in Rio tells us about preparations for Friday's opening ceremonies. Divers somersault through the air in practice sessions. At the velodrome, track cyclists zoom by in dizzying loops. Even before the opening ceremonies, soccer competition gets underway this week. The U.S. women play New Zealand on Wednesday when host country Brazil's women face off against China. 
Speaking to reporters, the coach of the Chinese women's soccer team, Bruno Bini, who is French, said, "If I compare the Chinese team to the French team, Chinese women work harder and they complain much less." Meanwhile, workers at the sailing venue in Rio are racing to rebuild a launching ramp that partially collapsed over the weekend. Melissa Block, NPR News, Rio de Janeiro. Unusually hot weather is being blamed for lackluster auto sales as GM and Ford report lower sales in July. On Wall Street, stocks are lower. The Dow down 115 points. This is NPR. Two Utah senators are introducing a bill to allow mountain bikers to join hikers and horseback riders on America's more than 100 million acres of rugged wilderness currently designated as off-limits to them. It would give local officials in 44 states with federal land management agencies two years to decide in each specific area if the bikes will be allowed. No decision within that time would mean the ban is lifted. It's a controversial proposal which is opposed by conservationists who say it will upset natural landscapes. Voters in Michigan head to the polls today for party primary elections. Quinn Kleinfelter with member station WDET reports the election could dictate the fate of the longest-serving active member in Congress. Detroit Democrat John Conyers is seeking his 27th term in the House. He's the longest-serving African-American in the history of Congress. But he faces a strong challenge from Detroit City Clerk Janice Winfrey, who says Conyers' half-century of work on civil rights and other national issues has disconnected him from his own district. The fight has changed. His drive has diminished. And I think the national focus that he's had has caused great neglect in the district. Conyers counters that his work on federal issues helps the nation as a whole, including his own constituents. For NPR News, I'm Quinn Kleinfelter in Detroit. He was an early proponent for same-sex marriage. Vice President Joe Biden has officiated the gay wedding of two longtime White House aides at their request. This is NPR. Support for NPR comes from NPR stations. Other contributors include the NPR Shop, offering an array of public radio collections, including The People We Meet, Extraordinary Encounters with Exceptional People, selected and presented by NPR personalities, at shop.npr.org. Catch up on past episodes and hear any of the MPB programs you've missed on the MPB Public Radio app. Available on iTunes and Google Play. Listen live to MPB Think Radio and MPB Music Radio. Search MPB Public Radio. This is Mississippi Public Broadcasting. I'm Terry Gross. Listen to Fresh Air weekdays at 3 on MPB Think Radio. You're listening to Relatively Speaking on MPB Think Radio. We're glad to take your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can always email your comments and questions to family at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Good morning. This is Relatively Speaking on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, Chief of Development and Behavioral Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Today we're talking about adjustment disorders. You've heard of situational depression. Well, you can have situational anxiety, too. So I want to talk to you about what these are and um, 
throw a few questions out there, like, have you had trouble bouncing back after a job loss, divorce, or financial troubles? Has your child not acted like himself since your move? Or has your child not acted like himself since a change in schools? Do you feel anxious or fearful due to maybe the continual stories about terror attacks? You or your loved one might have an adjustment disorder, and I want to talk about what's going on in your life and what kind of questions you might have. So share your comments and experiences with us this morning by calling one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. So, good morning to you all. I want to tell you a few fast facts about adjustment disorders and then let you give me a call if you have any questions about whether or not you could have one or whether or not a friend, family, or child could possibly have one. We've talked about depression, intrinsic depression in the past. We've talked about anxiety disorders and and other things like that, phobias and all. But what I'm talking about is something that typically you don't have. You're you're typically an okay person as far as mood or anxiety goes. But then something happens which makes you feel sad and depressed. And so these are the sort of the way things go. Um, It might be a loss of a relationship, a loss of a job, or a loss of a loved one, either through death or divorce. It can be a serious illness in yourself, which obviously can be stressful, or it can be a serious illness in someone that you care about. Or it could be experiencing a traumatic event, such as a disaster, crime, accident. Or it could be something that has, for whatever reason, called fear, caused fear in you. So um, what happens in this is that sometimes the symptoms are depression or depressed mood. It can be tearfulness or feelings of hopefulness or just feelings of being worried all the time and concerned. So about 10% of adults and about 30% of adolescents, teens much more commonly have uh, adjustment disorder um, or a situational depression or anxiety at some point. So, But that's still 10% of adults. So many of you out there have experienced something like this. So to qualify as an adjustment disorder, it means that whatever the event was that has caused the depression or anxiety has happened within the last three months. And it cannot last more than six months, um, or you may be moving into a real chronic disorder. So, you know, interestingly enough, adjustment disorders can also be caused by maybe uh, events that you think are typically happy events, like a wedding. Um, many times uh, women in the planning, and, and sometimes men too, in the planning of even weddings, 
get so very anxious that they're having difficulty moving on and getting rid of the anxiety due to maybe fears that things won't be as perfect as you want them to be or maybe fears about um, what's to come or whatever. This can be caused called an adjustment disorder. So as you move through this, um, the question is, what can you do about it? Um, and there's certainly things that one can do about it. Last week, we talked about when you're feeling depressed or anxious, some of those alternative things that you can do to try to help yourself. Um, and so when stressful situations are very hard to cope with, with um, many times it's a good idea to try to help yourself uh, before seeking professional help. And ways to help yourself, as we've talked about in the past, include uh, making sure that, um, one, you're facing the situation appropriately, um, not using drugs or alcohol, uh, making sure that you're getting enough sleep, and um, making sure that you have whatever support that you need. Uh, the other things that you can do, exercise, as we've talked about in the past, and um, also seeking the support of friends or family. Now, sometimes that's not enough, and sometimes you do need to seek professional help. But as you're moving through um, trying to adjust to things, many times people will feel anxious or nervous or even have physical symptoms such as chronic headache, stomachache, heart palpitations. Uh, people sometimes will even move into uh, a panic-like attack over um, the fearfulness or anxiety due to an event. Now, in previous shows, we've talked about post-traumatic stress disorder, which um, can be an exaggerated form of an adjustment disorder. What I'm talking about is not a PTSD, not post-traumatic stress disorder, where you are really having extreme sleep problems and extreme depression, and you can't move on from day to day. With an adjustment disorder, many times you are just having difficulty um, functioning as well as you normally do because you just feel down or you feel chronically anxious about things. You maybe have difficulty falling asleep, difficulty eating, or maybe even overeating, trying to make yourself uh, feel good. And subsequently, when you don't sleep well and don't eat well, many times you feel tired. And um, I already mentioned that many times those of us who feel anxious or sad about a situation tend to turn to alcohol or drugs to try to make ourselves feel better. Some of you may have seen the anti-smoking um, commercial that's been on television recently that says um, smoking does not cure depression. And, and many times that's sort of what we try to do is smoke or drink or use drugs to try to treat um, the feelings of anxiousness or depression that are in an adjustment disorder. So what can you do? 
um, about this. Well, first of all, um, you want to identify perhaps what may be going on in your life that is causing this. And so the very first thing to do is stop and, and sort of take a look at where you are in life and what these symptoms are and perhaps maybe why they're there. Uh, sometimes an adjustment disorder or a situational depression sort of sneaks up on you and you don't realize um, exactly what's causing it. So if you feel like you've had some recent onset of just feeling sad or anxious and this is not your typical personality, um, give us a call. Let's talk about what may be going on in your life at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can send us an email at family at mpbonline.org. So one thing I want to talk about um, before the first break is that adjustment disorders are a reaction to stress, but there's not a single direct cause between the stressful event and the reaction. So many times um, it may have happened a month ago, and suddenly you start having the difficult areas of depression or anxiety. The other thing to know is that children and adolescents um, are different than adults in their response. Um, and so they their coping skills may be very different. So a child with an ad- adjustment disorder may, may begin to misbehave in ways they never have before, like taking small items um, or uh, just being defiant or eloping from a classroom or from home, um, things that they've never done before, or maybe even um, crying or um, lashing out at others. Sometimes bullying can be a form of trying to adjust to a stressor that's going on. And the other thing I want to emphasize is once the stressor or its consequences has ended, the symptoms of an adjustment disorder should appear within three months, and they shouldn't last longer than six months, as I mentioned earlier. So I'd love for our listeners to think about what's going on, whether or not you feel like something like this could be going on with you or your loved one. And if so, give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. This is Relatively Speaking. We're talking about adjustment disorders, and we'll be right back. Support for MPB comes from Grammy Museum, Mississippi, presenting an evening with Cody Dickinson for a discussion moderated by Shannon McNally, followed by a performance. 
August 13th at 7 p.m. Details at GrammyMuseum.org. MPB is getting its very own car tag. But first, we need your help. To begin production, we need 300 of you to say yes to the tag. Go to mpbonline.org slash car tag for more information and also to sign up. A portion of the fee goes to help MPB continue to educate, inform, and entertain Mississippians. Thanks for your help, and we'll see you on the road. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. You're listening to Relatively Speaking on MPB Think Radio. We're glad to take your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can always email your comments and questions to family at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Welcome back. This is Relatively Speaking. We're talking about adjustment disorders today. Um, that adjusting to a stressor or a situation that's happened to you. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and I want to hear from you about what you think might be occurring in you or a family member, or perhaps if you just have a question about what these issues can be. So adjustment disorders uh, sometimes cause situational depression or situational anxiety are um, disorders that occur after some stressor that happens. So they're quite common. They're more common in children and adolescents. About 30% of children and adolescents will have one. But also, one in 10 adults will also have one. Um, They occur equally in men and women. And while they happen in all cultures, the stressors and signs might vary uh, on cultural influences. So if in your culture, when you are upset about something, depressed or anxious, you tend to be more aggressive and angry, then perhaps that's what happens. Whereas in other cultures, if um, a response is typically to be more quiet and sad, that may be the response. Um, They also, um, it's believed the characteristics of the disorder, like I said earlier, differ in uh, children and adolescents than in adults. And the differences in symptoms and in how long they last and how strong they are um, may vary a bit. So one individual may have some problems for a month, while another may continue to have problems for several months at a time. So some of the symptoms uh, may be depressed mood, tearfulness, feelings of helplessness, uh, feeling like you just don't know what to do and how to fix things. Um, If you have the anxiety version of it, it may be that you're just nervous all the time and worry continually, but you don't know exactly what you're worrying about. You may feel jittery or um, many times uh, more commonly in children, and, and I see this often in my office, that um, after, say, 
say a parental illness or after um, perhaps something that happened, a crime in a neighborhood or something, there may be fear of separation from a major attachment figure. Often it's the mother, but not always. It might be the father or a grandparent or uh, someone that they're very attached to. So you can have um, an adjustment disorder with both anxiety, those fearful and jittery issues, and also depressive issues. So um, another thing that I mentioned is as you're moving along um, and looking at the different personality types and how one reacts to issues that bother them, um, there may be a disturbance of conduct. So um, adolescents, teens who have had bad things happen to them may react instead of being depressed in truancy, um, eloping from school, as I mentioned, destruction of property, reckless driving, um, or fighting with others or bullying others. So, So any of those type things can occur. And they often, if one steps back and looks... They are a reaction to something that has happened to them. Um, So often um, what one needs to remember is that if you are another person that you care about has had a change in mood, change in behavior, um, whether it's depressed, anxious, or aggressive and mean, then one needs to look at what possibly could have happened to them that has caused this and what maybe you could do to help this. Um, It may be already fixed, but it's just a continued reaction from it. It may be something that you can't fix, like the death or a divorce, um, but it's something that one may need help with. Or it may be something that um, maybe can um, have a change to it. Perhaps a child has been moved to a school that is overly stressing them um, from an academic standpoint too hard, from a structural standpoint too structured. And if that's the case, perhaps um, a school change may need to happen. So there, there are many ways to look at this, and you always want to look at the antecedent, what perhaps could have caused it, what the consequence was, and then what one can do maybe to help this get better. So I'd like to hear from you if you have any questions about this. Give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, Or you can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. Um, so like I, I, I said, the ABCs, you've Those who have listened to this show in the past know that um, I talk often about the ABCs of behavior management, the the antecedent, the behavior, and the consequence. But you can look at adjustment disorders sort of in the same manner. What that antecedent was, what the cause was, what happened, and what kind of behavior there is, and the consequence is, um, you know, what is happening now, and and maybe how you can fix it. 
So that's just my little twist to that. Let's go to our first caller. We have Marie and Jackson. Marie, you have an experience you want to relate? Yes, I do. Thank you for calling. Thank you for having me. Um, last uh, summer, I moved in with a roommate, and um, a few months later, um, I lost my job, and then I later lost my vehicle the same day. Oh, my. And um, I went through that, and but prior to going through this, I um, I was taking antidepressants, um, Cymbalta, mm-hmm. for pain because I've been having chronic pain for years now. And, but I didn't like the way it made me feel. So um, the week after, uh, during the week that I lost my job in my car, I um, attempted suicide. And I know that I've, I have been having thoughts of suicide since I've been on that medicine. And um, I did do that, um, attempt it a few times after that happened. Um, I thought that it had been under control by then. Mm-hmm. So just recently I... Um, started school this past fall, and I went through a breakup, um, a bad breakup, and it set me back to this depressive right. kind of, mm-hmm. and I was, I took a BDI, I go to um, a counselor, and I took a BDI, and she said it would be just moderate depression, what I've been going through, mm-hmm. but I was wondering, like, um, what are the differences between moderate depression or any um, forms of depression and adjustment disorders? Mm-hmm. Because I feel like maybe what I'm going through is just a situational adjustment disorder or situational depression rather than, like, um, moderate depression or um, moderate to severe depression. Good questions. Good questions, Marie. So you, uh, just a couple of comments. Um, You were taking Cymbalta, and you said while you were taking the Cymbalta, you felt like you were more uh, thinking more about possible suicide. Is that what you said? That's correct. Yeah. There have been some warnings out about SSRIs, that's uh, Selective Serotonin Reuptake Inhibitors, which is what Cymbalta is. causing increased thoughts of suicide. And and the thought is that many times when you are really down and depressed, then you are so paralyzed by your depression that you can't you don't have the energy to do anything and then when you get put on a medication that slightly improves your depression but you're you're still in the dumps the negative thoughts come into your mind and perhaps those self-harm thoughts you are more likely to act on them so if anyone ever gets on a medicine it can be any medicine that's treated for that's used to treat depression if anyone ever has thoughts of suicide that come into their head or self-harm, you should immediately notify your um, the, the person who has prescribed the medication for you and ask for help. There are suicide hotlines that are out there if you don't have a provider and you're having thoughts and you're not on medication. But okay. um, certainly that's one thing. Um, Marie, um, 
Typically with adjustment disorder, although uh, you can often feel very hopeless and helpless um, with with an adjustment disorder, when it uh, morphs into something severe like um, self-harm, typically that would be more of a major depressive disorder. Um, now, a person with depression, you've had several things that have come up. Um, you, you had the loss of a job, you lost your car, you've had health issues. So those are all issues that can cause adjustment disorders. But um, you also, it sounded like, had some problems with depression prior. Is that correct? Um, that's correct. Um, those that were had never been used um, in going to my counseling session, um, it was recently because I um, just did a BDI this past month. Mm-hmm. And um, I haven't had uh, any thoughts of suicide um, since um, the things that occurred last summer. Good. I have not, even after this breakup that I, um, I dealt with, I haven't had any thoughts of suicide. But I just... Um, been having like symptoms like I'm always sleepy. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like I can, I can never get enough sleep, mm-hmm. and I just don't have the. Um, I'm not in the mood to do anything. I'm not in the mood to go to my classes. Right. And I really just want to sit home and watch Netflix all day. Right. Well, certainly that sounds like at least moderate depression, Marie. An adjustment disorder should not last longer than six months um, after the inciting incident. And so I, it sounds like you've got a, a good handle on the self-harm, but it certainly sounds like you're continuing to have some depressive issues. So I would encourage you to go back to your health care provider and ask them if you don't need something else to help you or if there are some other issues. Um, that not having the energy, feeling tired, you've just described depression perfectly. And so what you really, I would highly encourage you to do some of those things we've talked about from a self-help standpoint. That's um, exercise, make sure you're eating right, make sure that um, if you have a support group, if you have some friends that you can speak with, that you go speak with them and make sure you get help. But I would also go back to your provider, your counselor that you've been to, and tell them that you're still feeling this way and let them know. And if they're not responsive to you, I would encourage you to um, seek other help uh, because this is something that can get better, you can feel better, and you need to um, basically, Marie, demand that you get better um, and not be satisfied with doing what you're doing right now. So if you will, if you would like for me to give you some some other specific advice, I'm happy to give it to you. Um, If you'll email family at mpbonline.org, I'll respond to you and give you some other resources. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you, Marie. Thanks for your call, and good luck. Thank you. Well, let's go next to um, James on the coast. James, you have a college-age child you have a question about? Yes, ma'am. Good morning to you. And, Thank you for uh, calling. Not No problem. Look, we, we have the, the oldest uh, started school last fall at the Mississippi College. Uh, through junior college, high school years, you know, he was always top of the class, brilliant. I mean, very smart. Smart, smart. Well, he gets to Mississippi College up there, and 
you the first, not even through the first semester, he, you know, he sees that, well, he's maybe taking a little bit more than he can handle. Mm-hmm. Classes were a whole lot harder than than the norm of, of the junior college and high school and stuff. Well, he, instead of just trying to work through it, he drops out. Mm-hmm. Well, he comes home, you know, and he's just been in a funk. I just won't leave his room. It's turned to eating. Uh, you can't get nothing. You know, you can't really sit down and talk with him. Uh, just moping around. Uh, you, you know, I was the, the generation I come up raised in, you know, with, with my father, with his good father. You know, he was one of them ones. We'll just get over it. You know. Right. And, uh, you know. Yeah, just pull I, yourself I, up by your bootstraps. You know, that's, that's, yeah. You know, a lot of times I wish he would have told me that coming up. You know, and I know that's not a way to handle things. So any advice uh, that you could give on maybe how to handle the situation or something, you know, that could be said or done? Sure, James. I bet there are many listeners out there who have a very similar story, that they had a child who went off to college and sort of self-destructed the first semester, and then... Um, many times they come home and they move in and they don't don't want to do anything else. And you are describing an adjustment disorder in your college-age child. And as I said earlier, uh, very common upwards of 30% of adolescents will have um, something like this. So, so let's talk a little bit. First, I have a question. Has he ever had depression or anxiety before? Well... He is he is a, uh, a a stepson to me. Okay, mm-hmm. um, but listening to his mama talk, there is a, and, and I hate to say it, there is a lot of of suicidal tendencies mm-hmm. that went toward the, the the his biological father side of the family. Mm-hmm. But that is something you know we've always tried to keep an eye on. That's we never really, I guess you know the, the reason we never really pushed as hard. You know, because of knowing that there was them tendencies that ran in his family. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, you know, other than just, I've never really seen it, but to be honest mm-hmm. with you, I mean, he's just, like I said, he was, I mean, 4.0 through junior college, and I mean, just, I mean, brilliant, you know. Sounds and it, like it, a it, great. It, yeah, it just, you know, he he, he jumped into to, to a, 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 the pre-med side of it and, and just, you know, the classes up there, you know, just hit him like a ton of bricks. Yeah, and, and often those first classes, I can remember that in college. I was, yeah, I, I made all A's and all that, and then you get into college, and all of a sudden you really do have to study, and they're smart people there, and you have to work hard. So this is so common. And um, now, James, you did bring up a couple of things about family history, certainly uh, family history of suicide um, many times tells you that there's a family history of depression and perhaps bipolar disorder. And so you want to make sure that you're very aware of what's going on in your son's um, 
head right now. And many right. times men more than women are less likely to share what's really going on and internalize things. So um, my, my first thing to do would be to go to, for you all to really have a family intervention with him. So right. is that you who talks better with him or your wife, whoever that is, to go in and take him take his hands in your hands and say, son, we are really concerned about you. We feel like you need some help. We want everything to be okay, but we cannot allow you to stay in your room and and do what you're doing. And that's not meaning that he has to go back to college. Let him know that at this point, what we need to do is make sure that you're okay. Um, And it seems like you are sad and depressed. And it I will also ask you to ask him, what are his plans? Does he, and he may say, I don't have any plans. Right. And and if he says, I have no plans, then I would also ask him um, if he has anyone he can talk to. And also ask him if he has ever thought of hurting himself um, right. as you're moving through. If Because it's not, there's a... False impression that if you ask someone who is depressed if they've ever thought of self-harm, that it will push them over the edge. But in reality, what it does is it opens the door to allow them to talk about it if they've ever thought about that. Right. Okay. So, um, but I would encourage you to um, seek the help, tell him that you would like, and maybe go as a family. It might be less threatening to him if you say we can go as a family. Or he might want to just talk to someone um, alone or by himself. So I would open that up, but say we've got to do something. We can't allow you to stay um, in your room doing what you're doing now. Well, I do appreciate you. Well, I appreciate your call, and I hope that was helpful. Know that you're not the only one who's been in this boat, and you need to let your son know that he's not the only one who has not done well his first semester of college. I would dare say 30% of people who go to college don't do well their first semester. I told him, I said, you know, he started (laughs) off with biochemistry. I said, man, you need to just, and I, like I said, I, I really... I really have to stop and think sometimes and go, okay, well, you know, you get to a to a point in your life that, okay, well, I'm 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 at the top, you know, but then you you get away to a to a to, to the bigger picture, I should say, and, and find out, well, you know what, there's just as many people that are on top or above me than I thought, you know, and it kind of I think it kind of you know boosted his uh. Uh, his confidence level, you know, dropped. Right, his confidence. Right. right. It hurt his self-esteem, but what he needs to remember is that he can start over, he can do over. You can let him know if Mississippi College is not the place for him. Perhaps uh, there's another school that will be a better fit, or maybe he just overloaded himself. So many times um, students just overload themselves the first semester. So maybe his next try should be to take 12 hours instead of 16 or whatever. Well, look, once again, thank you very much. Enjoy your show. Uh, uh, You're you're a help to a lot of folks, and I appreciate you. Thanks, James. Good luck. Hope things Uh, go well. All right. Bye-bye.
So we're, what we'll do is go to our next break. Uh, we've been talking about adjustment disorders, and um, we just had a great caller who talked about um, the adjustment that teens often feel from college. So we'd love to hear from you. Give us a call if you have a question about uh, adjustment disorders or situational anxiety or depression at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or send us an email to family at mpbonline.org. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and we'll be back. More than two centuries ago, the first American president took office. And next year, the 45th will take office. Follow history in the making. Right here on this station. Listen every day. Weekdays at 4 on MPB Think Radio. Catch up on past episodes and hear any of the MPB programs you've missed on the MPB Public Radio app. Available on iTunes and Google Play. Listen live to MPB Think Radio and MPB Music Radio. Search MPB Public Radio. This is Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Gary Snook lives in Montana with excruciating pain. It's like being boiled in oil 24 hours a day. His only relief comes from opioid medication, but he leaves his state to get a prescription. They may be in pain for the rest of their life, so how do we treat them without actually harming them? The dilemma of prescribing opioids in Montana later on All Things Considered from NPR News. Today at 4 on NPB Think Radio. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. You're listening to Relatively Speaking on MPB Think Radio. We're glad to take your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can always email your comments and questions to family at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Welcome back. This is Relatively Speaking. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and we are talking about adjustment disorders and what they are. Adjustment disorders can be something very significant that happens in your life, Um, something that typically people are sad and depressed about, but that typically a grief reaction lasts a few weeks Um, perhaps a couple or three months, but an adjustment disorder often occurs um, after you would expect the... um the adjustment of to the negative event in your life to have gotten better. Now, there has been some question about chronic adjustment disorders and whether this is really a, a true mood disorder or not, and that's not very clearly defined. For example, if you have an individual who is dealing with chronic illness, the the 
illness is always there. So is this a chronic adjustment disorder to the illness or um, something else? And we can talk about that as we move along. But let's go back to the phone lines. We have Wendy in Jackson who has a question about adjustment disorder and self-medication. Talk to us, Wendy. Yes, ma'am. I was curious about how common it is that people tend to self-medicate. And when they do, if they cross that line to becoming dependent or addicted, um, how common is it for the two things to go together, for it not just to be the abuse of the drugs but an underlying problem that they're trying to medicate that causes them to abuse the drugs, and how would you treat that? Wendy, great question, and I I know that there are sort of two schools of thought. Um, some people are more addictive personalities and just tend to go to drugs. Others tend to be trying to self-medicate um, away uh, bad feelings, and and honestly, I'm I'm. More in that school, I feel like many times when I know that someone is involved in substance abuse, and not just use, but substance abuse, many times I want to further look to see if perhaps there is something going on like anxiety, like depression, or like an adjustment disorder that something negative has happened. and. I bet there are many people out there who lost someone through a breakup who engaged in drinking too much after that occurred. So, yes, indeed, people do get into that. And and often, unfortunately now, um, with the fact that there are drugs out there like cocaine, like methamphetamine, and others, and um like the opiates, uh, many times people self-medicate to try to feel better and then get addicted and create a bigger, worse problem than they already had. So no doubt that occurs. No doubt it's a common problem. And um, it's very important if someone gets themselves into a situation like that where they feel like, oh, no, now I can't stop drinking as much as I've been drinking or stop using cocaine, then they need to go for help and they need to ask for help. One thing that I want to make sure we bring out is um, the sometimes looking at peer groups to help through um, something like this. And I'm not talking about just Alcoholics Anonymous, but but other peer groups where you can go and see that you're not the only person who is suffering from a loss through a death or from a loss through divorce, that um, to, to be able to talk to other people and share your thoughts, your negative feelings, sometimes it helps just to get out there and know that you are not the only one who's had those difficulties. Thank you, Wendy, for your call. That helped me point out something um, that that I feel very strongly about is if you are engaging in substance abuse, then you need to um, introspect, see what's going on, see why you're doing this, and then seek help for that. 
So, well, let's go to next to Lisa in Bay St. Louis. Uh, Lisa, you have a question about adjustment disorder and PTSD. Um, sort of. I, I wanted to. Um, I'm, I'm glad you took my call, Dr. Patrice. I, <clears throat> I have uh, uh, just had one uh, experience after the other. I had bad. Nobody has a good divorce, but it was it was a a bit abusive divorce, and I had mm-hmm. to relocate to to get out of it. And my son, <clears throat> he he was already walking and eating. He was little, but developmentally he. He stopped eating, he stopped walking, he stopped talking, and, <clears throat> and uh, it was, but then he he adjusted, and mm-hmm. I adjusted, and it was time to come back to uh, New Orleans to get the divorce, and <clears throat> and, uh, and I adjusted. Um, mm-hmm. I have uh, a master's in psychology, and I've done a lot of work with uh, dance movement therapy, so mm-hmm. thank God. I have that education because that helped me through and right. and helped me, but I was adjusting and getting back to <clears throat> to work and everything and uh, even bought this little house and that's why I live in Mississippi and decided to raise Vincent here and he was adjusting. <clears throat> then Katrina came and uh, uh, my dance studio and every means that I would have to be able to support me and Vincent. Um, <clears throat> was destroyed mm-hmm. and uh and it's like every time I get back on my feet and then and then uh I was blessed with uh, type 1 diabetes mm-hmm. but it didn't I didn't have it growing up mm-hmm. now that's something that's physical and uh there's uh it's I feel so tired you know mm-hmm. my son's off to college and uh, and he doesn't talk to me now. He you know wants to grow up and do it, and I worry about him. Mm-hmm. And and here I am, like okay, before all of this happened, before I got married, I mean I was so productive and uh-huh. so excelling, and I don't know, I don't know if I have the energy um, to sometimes to just go. It seems like one thing after the other, and that would be a question maybe. Mm-hmm. I'm trying. It would have been situational um, adjustment disorder, but things kept happening one <laughs> after another. I hear you. And, uh, yeah, and I'm just like I'm have a, I'm strong. I know I'm strong, but there are times when I just was like, you know, okay, just take me. You know, yeah. I'm hooked up to insulin, and it's like you know I was ready to just <clears throat> give up. But you know, I had a little boy to raise, and I, and I, I know I'm strong. Um, Lisa, it sounds like you have had one thing after another. I mean, no doubt Katrina alone would have been enough for anyone to have to deal with. But but then the other issues, and certainly um, ha- being diagnosed with type one diabetes too, also um, is is another hit. So um, certainly you have a right. To, to be down. This doesn't sound like post-traumatic stress disorder. It sounds like more a chronic issue. Now, can um, a person who is resilient like you, because it sounds like you are, um, develop some chronic mood issue because of the repeated assaults to you? Um, certainly, um, you can. 
And um, so I would hope that you would consider seeking some professional help to have someone talk with you. I know there are some diabetes support groups that may be helpful just for the diabetes, but but also um, it just sounds like you need someone to help you step through this and perhaps see if you need um, any other help like uh, medication to, to help you right now. You seem to be talking a little bit about um, having some some real depression there that, that may need some help. The other thing is you said you had a son to raise and he's not talking to you right now. I would reach out to my son. Remember, he still needs you. Um, boys don't call when they're in college. I promise you, I had a son who was um, in college uh, 20 miles from our home, and I hardly heard from him. And he loves me, and he's an adult now, and he calls me now. So um, stay positive. Know you have that son to um, be healthy for. And um, also make sure that you have a good endocrinologist who's helping you take care of your diabetes. And um, because sometimes not having your um, diabetes well managed can also affect your mental um, health also. So, uh, Lisa, good luck. I, I hope that you right. will ask for um, some help and not feel like that just because you majored in psychology and you understand it, that you shouldn't um, you shouldn't seek help. Oh, Everybody, I have, have you? I have help, doctor. Good. I have a good I have a good team of doctors that are working with me, and I'm I'm I I was. It's so overwhelmed at first, and after he went off to college, and I had the emptiness that I was paralyzed. Right, just, you know. But 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 little by little, I'm gosh, you know, I'm starting. I'm controlling my diabetes. I have an endocrinologist. I'm I'm exercising. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting back to life little by little. But I don't know if I'm going to be. I don't know if I can compete with myself of the person that I used to be before all this happened. I just don't have the energy. Plus, I'm a senior now, <laughs> so I probably won't won't get that, that big career explosion or, you know, or anything like that, but <clears throat> I'm just focusing on, on just getting, staying healthy and, right. and uh, finally being able to look at myself. I was, I had a child to raise, so I didn't even look at myself. I just kind of went through everything like an autopilot. Well, let me just say this, Lisa. It sounds like all of your emphasis was on your child and making sure that he was okay. And now you need to turn inward and focus on yourself and make sure that you're okay. And don't try to be who you were in your 30s. Try to be who you can be right now. And um, it sounds like you've got lots of potential and, and lots of capability and you're working on that self-improvement so i would encourage you to just keep doing that um keep that team involved and reach out to friends uh make sure that you focus on yourself and um know that you don't have to be who you were when you were 30 be who you can be now um, and I'm I, glad you said to reach out because, like, even that, that first caller, I mean, as a therapist myself, a red flag, you know, when warning flag when she mentioned she attempted suicide. And I'm like, okay, I'm glad you addressed that first. Um, and hopefully.
hopefully maybe her family and friends are listening and 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 she she can she can reach out or they can reach out to her because that's that's real important it is it really is lisa good luck thank you so much for your call and um i hope you have a lot of sunshine in your life from now on Well, thanks to all our listeners. Thanks for being with us. Um, Relatively Speaking is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting's Think Radio and is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and generous support from the members of the Foundation of Public Broadcasting in Mississippi. Today's show is engineered by Jay White, our call screener, Liz Gill. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Join us next Tuesday at 11 for Relatively Speaking, and stay tuned for NPR's Here and Now, coming up next on MPB Think Radio. Your favorite MPB Think Radio shows are now available on your favorite podcast app. So open that app and subscribe to any local program you love, like Everyday Tech. Android does have the most delicious operating system, I find. Jelly jelly Bean. The Gestalt Gardener. What's up? What you got going on? And, of course, MPB's Season Pass with myself, Sam Wells, and Jay White. That's my guys, man. So what are you waiting for? Go search and subscribe today. This forecast is underwritten by...